1: No one ever thinks about the crew below the decks They're drinking and they're partying and having lots of sex They cook and clean and serve the rich with a smile all day But when the richies leave the ship, the yachties get to play Yolo Nilo
0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Gangplank Report. I am here with my amazing co host, Jen, and we are talking about episode eight, which is per Bravo called At Your Lack of Service. And Jen came up with a better name, I think, called Lexidasical. And I love that even more. Jen, <laughs> would you mind giving us our rapid recap?
1: Not at all. The rapid recap is the party is over and everyone heads to bed. But even with David's help, Courtney can't make it into her own bunk. So she sleeps in Malia's and then she proceeded to puke all over it. Ugh. The next mo- Yeah, it was gross. The next morning, everyone is hung over and the guests are arriving in four hours. They're returning guests who equate yachting with a super expensive booze cruise. It's <laughs> Courtney's turn on service and Lexi's not happy. Shocker. Lexi's doing the absolute least, unless we're talking about spraying enough steam to set off the fire alarm. There is slide drama with Sandy. Perceived slide drama, we'll say. The guests do a beer stunt course, and Katie spends the entire episode picking up Lexi's slack, but somehow the captain thinks Katie's management skills are lacking instead of Lexi's work skills. And that's your rapid recap. Thank you.
0: So let's jump right into this service situation. So Mm -hmm. it seems to me like the entire episode, it does, Mm -hmm. center completely around the service. And I think that that's a really interesting observation to make, because if we look at the previous charters and the way that those went, we know that Roy Jr.'s trip was very much about the water sports and keeping the kids entertained. And so that trip was very heavily focused on the duck team. Mm -hmm. So there was more pressure exterior than on service or on the food. And they said that the food was great and they said that the service was great, but they really wanted to do all the water sports. So that put a lot of pressure on the deck team. Right. Then the next trip with Athena, we see a lot more focus on the food. And so that falls very heavily on Matt alone, really, Mm -hmm. to make sure that her expectations are met because it's such a food centric trip. This trip, however, we know going into it is very heavily centered on alcohol now. Exactly. And, the the and shirts the were a little bit of a giveaway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It looked to me from them showing the previous trip that they wore the same shirt. So did they not change or did they just <laughs> put those into hibernation until they got back? That's
1: trip? funny. Now, honest to goodness, even with my memory, I could not remember these people to save my same. life. They did the flashbacks and I still couldn't remember them. And I think My daughter and I were talking about this because since you and I started podcasting, she's decided to pick up the show. So she's binged all of Below Deck Med now, all of the seasons to catch up so she can follow us. And she called me and said, I've just watched all of these and I have no idea who these people are. And I think it's- So even in her recent memory of watching, she didn't remember them. And I think it's because they're so center of the road. They're not really demanding and rude and awful guests. And they're not the overly nice. I mean, they're nice, but they're not standout, lovely. There is
0: something very unmemorable about them.
1: Yes. As my grandson would say, they're vanilla.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Maybe not. Maybe not necessarily Matt's version of vanilla, right? But yes. <laughs> yes, Lord Fussy's version of vanilla, exactly. or Swag Nasty's version of vanilla. But
1: yeah. yes,
0: and I think that as we see these trips progress, the things that become important to the charter guests themselves—that becomes the focus of the episode. For the most part, besides the guest behavior or the crew behavior, whatever it is that the guests deem most important is what becomes
1: the main trip story. Right. And I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to put this all on the guests. While I do think that they drink way too quickly and have ridiculous expectations on having all different kinds of drinks and having them all refilled immediately, there are some things that I think should always be correct like the next morning when Lexi was supposed to get the hot water for the woman who brought her own tea bag that should have taken no time at all and it took 27 minutes for her to pass it off to Katie to bring it up to the woman that's because she's lexadaisical right exactly but things like that not having the plates on the table that's not their fault that's the service side I don't think that their demands were super ridiculous, except for how quickly they wanted drinks turned around. If you're drinking like beer and all you have to do is pop the top off or wine and all you have to do is pour it, then I get it. But when you're talking about mixed drinks then I think that timing you need to give a little more slack on. What do you- so here's what, what I would have done in that situation. If okay. we know
0: that a majority of those guys are drinking vodka and iced tea, mm-hmm. then make a picture of it and have it ready and have it upstairs. And then all you have to do is refill the glass with ice and pour the cocktail into the glass. Right. Well, that would have expedited that entire process. If they're all drinking the same thing, then just make a picture of it and have it upstairs available. And then that way you don't have to traipse up and down the stairs making one cocktail at a time.
1: Right. I was wondering if that's something that's appropriate to do on a five star. If you can have a picture of something standing by to where it's not handmade in front of them right away. Well, it's not being
0: made in front of them anyhow, but for what it's worth, if that's their focus and- what I would have done wherever they're hanging out is just set up a little bar with all the stuff that they're drinking. I've been to really high level restaurants that will still put a picture of mimosas on the table right. for brunch. It's not like it's indicating that you're in a trailer park, that you have a picture of mimosas or a pitcher of cocktails. If it's, right. especially when it's sweet tea, something mm-hmm. along those lines, then it's not out of bounds to do something like that. So having a little bar set up wherever the guests are hanging out So that you can just easily walk up, check on them and say, okay, you need a new one. Let me go ahead and get you some fresh ice and pour some of the cocktail in there like done. It just seems like that would have made the process a whole lot easier than running up and down the stairs with two or three cocktails at a time.
1: Right. I did wonder why she was doing it in the pantry because she even said when she was giving them the tour of the boat, we have this bar and we have this bar. It's like, why wouldn't you do something a little closer. I think there's fault on all sides. I think Katie is only one person. She can't do all of this. Lexi was not stepping up her game. Courtney's too inexperienced to know her game yet. I mean, she was doing what she was told, but she can't have a ton of initiative to do things she's not told because she doesn't know what to do. You know what I mean?
0: Oh, for sure. And I think part of that comes with we saw Lexi drop the ball a bunch of times on this trip, and I'm not shocked. I think it's her way of retaliating for mm-hmm. not being on service. And because she's the second stew, and she thinks that that title deserves more respect, I that's nonsense, by the way. But in her mind, anyway, she feels like it's a demotion for her to be in the laundry room even though that's really what the job requires and I think it's fair for Katie to do a rotation so that the girls can both do different things and don't get stuck in the same kind of laundry swirl because nobody really loves that job but it's a part of the job
1: so it's not like Katie is the type of boss who is saying do this. And I'm not doing this anymore because I don't have to. Katie was in the laundry that morning. So she's not asking Lexi to do anything that she's not doing herself. Correct. Down to beds and having to remake a bed for a guest. That to me makes me wonder how Lexi got her second stew. If she doesn't even know how to make a bed, that's third stew gig. If you can't, I think she
0: does know how to do it. I think she was not doing it on purpose because she was mad. Okay. I think it was retaliation. It was more of that passive aggressive retaliation.
1: Right. And
0: that's frustrating, especially Mm -hmm. because I mean, that's what I dealt with on my season too. They knew how to do it. They just didn't do it because they knew it would upset me. Right. So it's one of those things like that's how I see it and Mm -hmm. that's very much how it looks anyway is that she's just like it's not important to me because I'm not the one that's going to be on service so whoever is on service is going to look like crap because there's no cutlery there's no napkins there's no plates ready for breakfast even though that's what I'm up here supposed to be doing instead of in the laundry right so
1: it was just to me it was a very passive aggressive move and I didn't really appreciate it it made me angry I agree. The other thing that made me angry was the captain's vacillation this week between micromanaging, as in the slide, versus not seeming to know what's going on by criticizing Katie's management skills instead of Lexi's laziness. Right. The back and forth between that, because the slide, she fell back into her old pattern of appearances and how things look. The slide, if it's got a hole in it, it's going to deflate some. If you only have one pump and you have inflatables downstairs and upstairs, it's going to take a minute to get it pumped back up. And I thought her hyper-focusing on that was crazy. And... I was actually on Malia's side during that whole thing. But then she flipped around and did the reverse with Katie, where she's so hands off that she doesn't even know what's going on. All she notices is that Lexi's quiet. Well, how about the fact that Lexi left cleaning products in the room? How about the fact that Lexi's nowhere to be found or that she's on? You can't tell me that the captain can't see her standing on the bow, taking pictures of sunrises instead of doing her job. Right. It just frustrates. Yeah, me. I mean,
0: it's it's frustrating to watch for sure, and I think that part of it too. There's only so much you can do to motivate people. I know that that's what the captain keeps saying mm-hmm. uh, is that Katie needs to find a way to motivate her. There are some people, especially I think after the confrontation aspect and Luxie getting her hand slapped in the crew meeting about her behavior, kind of and all the other things that are coming into play, I think she's just losing the plot. I think she's just getting apathetic because she doesn't want to be there. And it's impossible to motivate somebody at that point in time. Like she's already off the boat mentally. Right. And so how is Katie supposed to rein her back in when she's already decided that she's mentally checked out? Right. Like there's not a lot that you can do. And I feel like you're right that the captain is just not seeing that disconnect. Because Mm -hmm. she still doesn't know all the things that happened. And I'm sure that at this point, Lexi's feeling very alienated as a direct result of her own behavior. Mm -hmm. And now she just feels like she's not really a part of the team. And she's spending a lot of time auditing these things to herself and to us as an audience, but not really to anybody else. Right. But what I don't
1: get about that, though, is Katie has been very welcoming back to her in my estimation. I think Katie has done a much better job of letting bygones be bygones than other chief stews have in the past. Usually if there's a headbutt there, It stays a headbutt for the whole season. Katie really did drop it and let it go. And Lexi's twisting this into her head. She knows that there's a rotation on the boat. And yet she's still turning it into some kind of punishment or that she's Cinderella. And that's just not the case. And she's been told it's not the case. And she said, I don't want to be down here just because Katie doesn't like me. That's not why. And she knows it. So it's confusing to me. I think she's just in her own head. And I think that
0: that's a really tough place. And coupled with a couple of the other things that we know about her, I think it's just going to be really difficult, if not impossible, to get her out of that place. Right. She might just stay there. Yeah. Mentally. So I don't know. We see the preview for next week's episode, and we've also gotten the mid-season teaser for the rest of the season. And
1: oh my gosh. Yeah craziness. You sent that to me because I was already in bed by the time and I got the notification and I watched it and my jaw dropped during it. It does look like it's going to be a great rest of the season. It's crazy so so we
0: do finally get to see Luca Mm
1: -hmm. on the boat yeah which
0: is cool but it's a little ambiguous how he ends up there is it because Matt burns and cuts himself that we get Luca as a stand-in for a little while because I think he says I'm the substitute chef Mm -hmm. meaning maybe he's not there the whole time he's just there while Matt recovers from injury And right. Matt's face is just kind of like, yeah, he's here. It doesn't seem like it's somebody that's coming in to take over for the rest of the season. So we'll have to see how that you plays out. You know how
1: Bravo is. They want to keep us guessing as long as possible. It's the same thing with the previews with the new Dex do coming on. Right. We're not sure if she's coming on because Katie is so overwhelmed with these guests who are very demanding. And you pointed out, and I hadn't even remembered this, that Lady Michelle runs with for stews normally. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. For interior crew. Mm -hmm. And so it almost makes sense to me because they've been running at a deficit for what the boat normally has, Mm -hmm. that they would bring in somebody in a swing position. So we find out that Delaney has not only a captain's license, but some interior experience. So we see a couple of clips of her in the laundry room. Mm-hmm. but mumbling under her breath that she also has a captain's license so there's that. Right. So I wonder if based on the needs of the guests if they're going to put her in a swing position so that if it's more if the charter's more focused on exterior toys and sports that they put her outside for right. that trip and utilize her there and then bring her back to do service at night or something like that and then if it's more heavily focused on cocktails and service for a different charter that they bring her interior and have her more focused there. Cause that would make the most sense to me is to have somebody that's in a, a swing position to be able to do either one of those things, depending on the guest demands. Right. And if I was in a position like that, that's what I would do.
1: I think that that would be the best route to take if you want your ship to run smoothly. I'm just not sure that Bravo wants the ship to run smoothly. (laughs) I think they still really like the drama. So yeah, I agree with you. If I were in charge, that's what I would do with her, whether or not that's what happens. We're going to have to see how Lexi reacts to her being on the boat, period. We don't know that she's not going to blow up because of it. We don't know that she's not brought on to replace Lexi. There's a lot of what-ifs here, but I do get your point. Well,
0: and maybe having her there just as a body is enough to kick Lexi into gear, realizing that she's disposable. It's entirely possible that she'll be the kind of person that just her presence there alone will shake Lexi out of whatever mental headspace she's in to be like, oh well there's somebody who could easily come in and do this job. Mm-hmm. And now I've got to get my poop in a group.
1: Yeah. You know? I'm not sure that she's that introspective. Maybe
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think it's more like uh no, no, they didn't bring somebody <laughs> in to come behind me. Forget it. I'm leaving. I'm out of here. <laughs> but true. Well, We'll see what happens. We do have, before we end the show for the week, you did have a question that came up during our live tweeting. We do live tweet on Monday night, guys. So if you want to get in on the conversation, please do that. And questions are always welcome. This one is from Amanda. She asked you, if all chefs study to make baked goods. Serious question, when she thinks chef, she thinks a person making her meals. When she thinks pastry chef or dessert specialist, she thinks of the person making the cakes or desserts. She always thinks it's so weird when the chef is expected to do baking.
0: From my experience, yes, that's accurate.
1: That there's usually
0: a chef-chef and a pastry chef. And that's in a restaurant, that's in a hotel. There's very much a differentiation. Sometimes they're completely separate kitchens for Mm -hmm. what their needs are, because they're different. On a boat, it's a little bit different. Space is at a premium. Pastry usually takes quite a lot of space and time. Mm -hmm. And If you're talking about humidity, wherever you are, that can really affect pastries sometimes. So it's a really delicate balance between being able to do baked goods in the morning. I do a lot of muffins and croissants and that kind of thing. Doing dessert pastry is a lot different. I know some chefs that really excel at that because they've spent a lot of time in other outlets, in other industries doing pastry too. So they have that down to a science. I am not one of those people. I mm-hmm. focus much more heavily on meals and I do brownies mm-hmm. and some cupcakes and cakes, like little, but if it's something that's really fancy, like a wedding cake, I generally outsource. But right. I'm also not on a 180 foot yacht most of the time. I'm on things that are 130 feet and under. Right. So my space differential is a little bit different. It's yeah. interesting to watch these things come across them like Matt and the cakes that were required. I mean, one cake can be enough of a mission, but doing two cakes is double the work. And if he doesn't have the right setup for that or the right amount of space for that, that can be a real challenge. And I felt for him, I kind of wish they would have just outsourced it. Like they did the wedding cake because the entire rest of the thing. And we do know that Lady Michelle normally has a second chef, a sous chef on board. Right. So because we saw that in last season when that crew came and chartered Percival. Mm-hmm. So we knew that there was a sous chef that was on board because they gave him that title and the subtitles. So right. I think that if he had another person that was able to take some of the work from him, it probably would have turned out much better. But who knows? I you know, think the it's-
1: other side of it too, and in Matt's defense, he said that he's not classically trained. I know that my daughter, when she was becoming a chef, because she was trained, She had to take pastry courses. But if you've worked your way up through the industry, you don't have necessarily that exposure to it. And baking is far different than cooking in my world. I can cook. I can't bake worth a darn. So I think that you can't necessarily expect everyone to be trained to do pastries if they aren't classically trained. Does that make sense? Right.
0: And I took yeah, when I was in culinary school, I took a couple of baking courses too, but it wasn't my focus. Right. It wasn't what I was. Because they on, had so entire
1: I... courses just for pastry chef that correct my daughter was looking at at first, but it's so much more of a niche career that she decided to do culinary. Yeah,
0: which makes total sense. And it makes you more functional all around. But I do know really excellent pastry chefs that do nothing but that. Right. So on a boat you have to be a little bit more experienced in a lot of different things. And two, you have to know a lot of different cuisines because you never know much about the charter guests before they show up or before you get their provisioning sheet. So I have to be really good at Indian food. I have to be really good at Asian food. I have to be really good at Italian food. If you took an Italian chef and mm-hmm. stuck him on a yacht and told him he had to do 3 days worth of Asian meals, he would probably flounder because it's not his specialty. Right. But as a charter chef, I have to be prepared for just about anything I had to do an entire week of traditional Hungarian food which is something I've never learned before I've never even been to a Hungarian restaurant before that I and made sure that I did <laughs> it's very good it's not very pretty it's, but it's not very pretty good. at
1: all but it is very delicious and it's good comfort food
0: <laughs> I hope for what it's worth I hope I never have to do it again okay. but I learned Yeah, you know, I learned enough to survive for a week. Mm -hmm. And same thing with I had a charter guest that was Chinese, and he wanted me to learn how to do traditional Chinese food, which is very different from American Chinese food, by the way, correct in Uh preparation. And so I had to learn. So right. it's one of those things where if you know that in advance what they're asking for and what they want, then you have time to do research. And I Google the crap out of everything. And if I have time, then I go learn. Like I went down to Miami and learned from a woman called the Walk Star. Now no, that's you... funny. <laughs> She's amazing. She was great. I learned from her how to do traditional Chinese food. And it was massively helpful to be in a room with somebody that knows how to do that because they grew up with it. So it's a challenge and that's why it's such a hard position. At the same time, if you don't have enough time to prepare for it, it's a little bit of a different story. So yeah, it's a challenging position. Trust me. But
1: on the show in the future, I prefer if the person doesn't know how to make cakes, Kiko did a pretty good job of making cakes, but I'd prefer they'd outsource it because it just looks bad (laughs) when they don't know what they're doing. (laughs) Right.
0: I'm on a boat right now and we have a birthday coming up in two days and I outsourced the cake because I just knew that I wasn't going to have one the space or two the ability because I don't have all the equipment here that I need to do it. Yeah. To make it a really decent cake. I
1: just knew that. So, and why not take the route? that works best for you work smarter, go. not harder.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you, Amanda, for the question. I
1: right. hope we sufficiently answered it and uh, look forward to next week. Yep. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you very much. Don't forget to check out our super fan episode this week and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Special thanks to our friends who helped us create gang client report down below music and lyrics by angel Twitter, frail and Terry Abbott. Performed by Lorelei of Florida. Production assistance by Michael Castaneda. Superfan intro by Blind Lawrence. Cast off, me hearties. (laughs)